Good morning, everyone. With me today are Department of Labor economists Joshua Warren and Sarah Whitney. They are here to talk about this month's Alaska Economic Trends, which is prepared by the department. First, we'll be speaking with you, Josh. Good morning. Morning. So, we'll be first speaking with him as he penned an article called The Slight Decline for Fishing Jobs. Uh, Tell us a bit about what made you pen the report, Josh. We try as a department of labor to report on all the industries in the state, and fishing is one that doesn't report to the state in the same ways as the other one. So we always try every November to uh, analyze and find out how many people are working in the harvesting industry. Now, you begin by explaining the pandemic losses the industry had experienced during uh, COVID. Uh, Share with us about that, because I understand it was the largest decline on record. There was a lot of lack of activity as people tried to come to grips with the early pandemic. All of our data set for fish uh, harvesting is about a year delayed. So our last report was about the pandemic and it dropped about a thousand if I remember. Yeah, about a thousand. This year it only dropped like a hundred. We'd sort of hoped to see, I'm sure the industry definitely hoped to see some bounce back from it, but it looked like most people stayed just stable with those lower levels. And I saw the peak months had less employment than in typical years. They're about in July is the peak, right? July is definitely, like, it is one of the more seasonal industries. Like in December, there's only about 900 people fishing, where in July, there's over 20,000 people fishing. But it does, the peaks have been lower, which would lean to more having less people harvesting in those months. You broke down the performance of the various fisheries, uh, salmon, sablefish, groundfish, but tell us about the salmon season in 2021. Overall, it was relatively stable, but some regions definitely did better than others, like Bristol Bay and Southeast did well, especially by poundage and monetary value, where like areas like Yukon Delta essentially seen the salmon fishery disappear, uh, but those sort of balanced out to make it so sort of stable for the year and on the on the perspective of how much we harvest here in alaska could you break down what species we specifically catch here we have a whole bunch of different like we have crab and we have salmon we have sablefish and pollock and sea cucumbers all kinds of different varieties groundfish which includes like pollock is definitely the most we catch by poundage, but salmon harvesting is the one that creates the most jobs. And it's it's the more valuable of the resources or of the fish that we're catching, right? By pound, I think, yeah. By pound, yeah. okay. And so wouldn't that require more harvesters? I think the uh, just a smaller, because they're smaller, in this, like the catching of salmon is a much more smaller uh, ship, so it takes a lot more people to do it at the same time. So, Now, t- t- taking a moment on crabs, what we know, we know of the closures that were announced for Red King and Snow Crab recently, but how was uh, the statewide crab harvesters before that? They've been on a decline for a couple years. Um, it There's been other closures, smaller closures as well, uh, but it's definitely, with those closures coming up, it's Unlikely that those numbers are going to go up overall. Um, yeah. Southeast did see a small increase in jobs, but not a lot. Uh, for crab harvesting? For, for crab harvesting, yeah. And, and so could you 
talk about that for a moment because you shared how the regions had fared uh, this past year. Could you focus on Southeast? Southeast saw um, crab, halibut, herring, salmon, all those uh, went up. Miscellaneous shellfish, which is a lot of sea cucumber and other things, was about stable. Um, they mirrored the rest of the state, though, with groundfish and sablefish going down uh, this year. And I understand the Aleutians also had a fairly good year as well. Yeah, they they see some of the same patterns, but again, Aleutians is in the future probably going to see a decrease because they are the ones hardest hit by the closures we've heard about recently. And so tell us about the other regions, because from what I've read, it sounds like most of them will either be flat or declining. Yeah, we have a fun chart in the article that shows how each one is done over the last uh, 10-ish years, and almost all of them are flat, uh, with Aleutians, Northern, and Yukon having decreases, Yukon being by far the biggest dip, but most of them have held stable this year. Why was the Yukon the biggest dip? They were the one that lost their salmon fishery, and they aren't they don't have a lot of harvesting jobs, so when they lost salmon harvesting, it was a large portion of the harvesting jobs in the area and it sounds like while the Aleutians did have a good salmon run I you had mentioned the other regions as well and I had wanted to move on to the outlook for next year uh, this year 2022 what's the current outlook we definitely I haven't seen anything that shows the jobs are going to go up in any dramatic way for any of the fisheries. And I think there's quite a few fisheries that maybe not for the next year because of the delay in data, but the other fishery, there's more fisheries that are going to go down uh, than up, I think. Is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, we, It is unfortunate with the crab closures, and we're not going to be able to show it in our numbers because of delay, but we have looked at the employment in the past, and for the Aleutians area, there's like 500 jobs in April that aren't going to be showing up uh, with those closures. Um, and we, I don't think there's any people local that are fishing over there, but it is still problematic for the industry as a whole. Very good. Thank, thank you for coming in this morning, Josh. It's been great. And we'll have Sarah with us right after the break. And we're back with members of the Alaska Department of Labor talking about this month's Alaska economic trends. Now we're speaking with Sarah Whitney, who is going to tell us a little bit about Alaska's southernmost community, ADAC. Good morning, Sarah. Yeah, good morning, Kevin. You started by talking about all the things that had put the island on people's radar, both military and public interest. Tell us why you wrote about ADAC. Well, I I am actually not an economist. I'm the editor of the magazine. And as a former journalist, I kind of look for the more human interest articles we can write about. And I've always been interested in all the different places in Alaska that are so unique, but I think even most Alaskans don't know some of the interesting stories about them. So I've written about a lot of those places. And ADAC is kind of one of those where... Nobody knows really much about it. They know it maybe was an ex-military base in the, in the Aleutians. 
Um, but it's gotten more attention lately. I mean, there was a reality TV show shot there. You know, there's stuff that's popped up on social media where people are going, was there really a McDonald's on ADAC at one point? So that that's what grabs me. And when I dig into these things, they kind of write themselves. So ADAC is a is a is the sort of like the bottomless soup bowl of of interesting facts. Well. Well, first of all, my apologies there, Sarah. Uh, I had, <laughs> when, when we speak with the Department of Labor, it's something economic. So well, I'm one by osmosis, there. they say, so that's fine. <laughs> now, I read that there was great military interest in, a lo- in the island, especially during the war. Highlight the role it played during the Second World War. Well, it started out as kind of a strategic place for the United States to set up defense against the Japanese because they had been out... Um, excuse me, um, occupying um, Attu and Kiska at the time. So that that's how it started. And then, you know, once the world, world War II was over, you know, there was a large naval base there that lasted until kind of the mid to late seven, or 70s, excuse me, the 90s. So it went on for a long time, and it became a, a quite a large community. I think a lot of people don't know it was a, one of the larger communities in Alaska for some time. So during the Cold War, it was it was still populated. Yeah, in fact, yeah, populated through, I think, 1997 is when the base finally closed down, um, when there were a lot of base closures during that time. And so it, it wasn't alone during a, for base closures? No, there were quite a few, I think, at that point. I don't exactly know why uh, ADAC specifically closed down, but it went very quickly from a population of, you know, several thousand. It even peaked, they say, around 6,000 people you know, to just a few hundred. And tell us about ADAC now, starting after the base closure, so post-base closure. You said that's in the 90s, right? Yeah, in the 90s. So, um, you know, the the place had, had turned into a town with, you know, a lot of the amenities you'd see in the lower 48. I mean, they had Pizza Hut, they had McDonald's and daycares and movie theaters and things like that, lots of housing. Um and so when the when the U.S. Navy left, they turned everything over to the Alia Corporation. And a lot like, of those amenities mm-hmm. were there because of the military, strictly right? Strictly because of the military, mm-hmm. and they turned that over to the corporation. And so now, you know, most of those structures aren't needed. Some of them are used, you know, for tourism and other things, but a lot of them are just just kind of sitting there succumbing to the uh, elements. And... That's one other thing that interested me in writing about ADAC is I had somebody had told me, oh, you can you can go hunting there. They've got these monstrous caribou that were introduced to the island for the uh, base residents to hunt. And now the herd's just out of control. <laughs> There's nothing keeping it under control. So people fly out there to shoot the caribou. And I thought, well, oh, there are some things going on there that are very uh, unique. No place else in Alaska quite well, like it. Well, you had also wrote about the repurposed McDonald's. I understand that was there from the military, but mm-hmm. now it's something else. Yeah, so some of those some of those um, buildings, you know, it's quite clear that you look at the old Pizza Hut building and it still looks like one. Now it's something else. The McDonald's building was just boarded up, and I think it was now not really used again for a very long time. Um, they eventually renovated it uh, for use as a commercial kitchen. I believe it served the local seafood processing plant for a while, but. Pretty much when they shut it down, it, it remained almost like a time capsule. People would go there as tourists and look at the 
the drive-through still had all the old prices from the 90s on there i think it had like the ad for some disney movie that was playing at the time and that part hadn't succumbed to the elements there was someone on social media who took a photo of the inside from the window and everything was just pristine like it just had just stopped one day and so i think people had a hard time believing that was still there (laughs) must be quite the picture Mm -hmm. it's reminding me of uh huff's work as well about adac Mm -hmm. wasn't that atomic island right uh the book that came that came out yeah Mm. about mostly about its role i think in the in uh, World War II. Now, like we talked a little bit in the first part with Josh on the impact the pandemic had on Alaska fisheries, you highlighted that ADAC was particularly impacted. Uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, in some ways particularly impacted, in other ways far less, I think, than most places. I mean, they have, like a lot of communities in Alaska, not a lot of services. So there's one healthcare provider, and if you end up with a pandemic, that could be a scary thing. But Really, they they went, um, according to what they told the media at the time, 18 months into the pandemic without a single case. So, you know, that kind of highlights maybe why some people stay, is there can be some benefits to being out there in the middle of a pandemic. And But did they, did they have some challenges with their fisheries as well during the pandemic? I I don't know specifically about the pandemic um, impact on the fisheries, but I know the seafood processing plant out there that has kind of been, you know, a pillar of the community for a very long time and has closed down a few times, did shut down again um, in 2020, and it hasn't been able to reopen since then. But that had, I think, more to do with um, the loss of their federal cod allocation than necessarily the pandemic Hope I'm not misrepresenting that, but it was more of a, I think, financial issue there. Now, moving on, you mentioned there was some renewed military interest in the article. What's going on there? I think, um, I don't know that there are any solid plans for the military to reestablish any kind of presence there. I know they've done some some exercises out in that area. Um, It's more that it's regained some interest because of the melting sea ice with climate change has opened up, you know, some possibilities for more marine shipping lanes. Um, ADAC has a deep water port. So they have some, they have some characteristics that make it, so they may have some potential there in the future. I think that's something that people are keeping an eye on in the future role. And I understand folks are also keeping an eye on the mariculture potential of the island as well. Yeah, it was it was hard for me to tell how how big of a possibility that is, but um, there have been some studies done on kind of the possibility of growing seaweed out there. I mean, mostly kelp. Um, its location and all of its uh, undeveloped coastline and and its location as far as getting product around the the globe makes it a good candidate for that. So there's actually an application out right now to start um, a seaweed farm there by the island. So that is a possibility. Um, And that's becoming, you know, a bigger industry in Alaska in general. So hopefully ADAC can play a role there. So like, like I mentioned earlier, it's usually economic reports we receive. And so this was an interesting read and that it was a personal interest type story Mm -hmm. Uh, tell us just a moment about your experience with ADAC when we write about places around Alaska for kind of a geoeconomic profile we want to look at 
definitely what's going on there economically, but also why are people there? How did this place start? How how is it continued to survive? And so some of these places, um, like I said, the the storytelling really takes a front seat over the data. There's not a lot of data on places this small, and the data is very kind of, well, it's not great. <laughs> Large margins of error. So really just talking about the place and the roles these places play in Alaska is more interesting, I think. And I think it balances out a little bit as some of the more technical stuff that we publish. Well, very good. And thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And thank you as well for joining us. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.